Haggai chapter 2. For those here the first time, uh, I've spent the recent weeks in telling us how to, uh, um, how to find Haggai. If you're here new and you have trouble finding Haggai, my suggestion is to go to your table of contents, look up the page number, and, uh, um, and go to the page number. Haggai chapter 2. If you find Haggai chapter 2, then you can let me see your eyes. All right. You know, you've heard it said many times, life is a journey, not a destination. People subscribe to that, but I offer this, life is a journey and a destination. Because every person in this room is headed somewhere. You're headed one of two places. When you leave this life, you're either headed for heaven or you're headed for that other place that the Bible calls hell. There's an old spiritual song that says, I'm a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world of woe. There ain't no sickness, toils, or danger in that bright land to which I go. Now, there are many other songs that convey that same truth, both old and new. The thought of being a a pilgrim, the thought of being a, a stranger, the thought of simply passing through this world. This concept is passed to us by God's people in Scripture. But today, do I have your attention yet? Today, too often, God's people find themselves to be at home in this world. They see themselves as residents, not resident aliens on their way to a better place. It seems, seems to me, that some of God's people may have fallen in love with this world. James tells us to be a friend of this world is to be at enmity and an enemy of God. Yet that's exactly what happened to the people that we've been reading about now for a month in Haggai, now think about this. Let me just refresh your memory. These folks, they had been in Babylon in captivity. And then they were released from captivity. And God had arranged for them to return home. Are you listening? They were supposed to rebuild the temple, restore worship, and restart the work. They were given this divine task, but they fell in love with their plush houses, their comfortable lifestyles, and their earthly success. So they placed God's work, God's will, God's word, and even God himself. On the back burner. And they did this while they attended to their own lifestyle. Their own 
earthly success, their own things that were important to them, not to him. It was kind of, in my mind, it was kind of a modern day medieval mess. Let me frame it this way so you don't think I'm just talking historically. They had begun the spiritual journey, but they had abandoned it for personal preferences. Personal preferences. That doesn't sound like something that we could do today. To major on what's important to us. Is this the reason that there are so many empty seats in worship centers all across this country today? Well, no, Brother Jerry, you need to be smarter than that. You know, we got COVID going on. That's why all the empty seats in a church. And I'll not argue that's part of it, but listen to me. Long before COVID arrived on the scene, there were many empty seats in God's house. Could that be why churches, local churches, once strong churches, are today closing their doors? Could it be that this thing of personal preferences has derailed, that he's sidetracked, has gotten people off from the course of the right journey? It certainly did in Haggai's day. And I submit, when you look at the course that God has called us, his people too, that it's easy to do that to us today. Now, I said we've been walking. I didn't really announce that we were walking through Haggai, because if you just want to know the truth, back in July when I preached the first message from Haggai, I didn't really sense that we were going to go through it. But then every week as I sat down, God kept bringing me back to Haggai. And today, we finish it. We've been walking through it. And for those that weren't here, I'll just tell you, chapter 1, the first part of the chapter, a message entitled, Don't Miss the Signs. It just went up on on a line today. Don't miss the signs. And the signs were, don't miss the sign of apathy. Don't miss the sign of atrophy. Don't miss the sign of awakening. And don't miss the sign of awareness. And then we got to the end of the chapter, and it was a revival that God wanted us to have. And it began with a heart change, which which developed into a spirit change, which developed into a life change. And then last week we talked about the, the God that we really need. He is the God of evaluation. He evaluates whether you're really going to heaven or not, whether you're really following Jesus or not, whether you're walking in sin or not. He evaluates that. He is also the God of encouragement. He says, I will be with you every step of the way. And then He is the God of engagement. He will shake you and rattle you and roll you if you're His until you come back to Him. As I look at the message of Haggai, it start, what started out as a big panoramic view ends today with a very personal view for you and me. It's like He has just funneled it down to where now today we're talking about whether we're on the right journey or not. If you will, if you found Haggai chapter 2, would you please stand to honor the reading of God's word? We're going to read verse 10 to the end of the chapter. Haggai writes, this is indeed God's inspired word. This is what he says. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what he said. This is what the Lord of armies says. 
ask the priest for a ruling. If a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and it touches bread, stew, some translations say pottage, wine, oil, or any other food, does it become holy? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai asked, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches any of these, does it become defiled? And the priest answered, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai replied, so is this people. And so is this nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration. And so is every work of their hands. Even what they offer there is defiled. Now, from this day on, Think carefully. Before one stone was placed on another in the Lord's temple, what state were you in? When someone came to a grain heap of 20 measures, it only amounted to 10. When one came to the wine press to dip 50 measures from the vat, it only amounted to 20. God says, I struck you. All the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, but... You didn't turn to me. This is the Lord's declaration. From this day on, think carefully or consider. From the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, think carefully. Is there still seed left in the granary? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet Produced, but from this day on, I will bless you. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah. I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal throne and destroy the power of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overturn chariots and their riders. Horses and their riders will fail each by his brother's sword. On that day, this is the declaration of the Lord of Armies, on that day I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant. This is the Lord's declaration. I will take you, Zerubbabel, and make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you. This is the declaration of the Lord of Armies. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and how it speaks to our heart. I pray that today, Lord, that you will open our eyes, that we can see what you have for us to see. That we will be what you'll have us to be. That we'll do what you have us to do. We'll go where you want us to go. That will be totally and completely yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've already said life is a journey and a destination, and the title of the message today is The Right Journey. The problem is with our journey is that we can't start again or chart from the past our course. Now, we can, re, we can redraw, reroute our, our, in the middle of our trip of this thing called life, 
But we cannot retrace our steps back and change what we've already done. I know that's trying to be done in this culture. People in this culture want you to believe it can be done, but it simply cannot happen. If we properly understand the verses that I just read, this message is sobering. You know how I know that? Because it was sobering to me. Because I already had to do some business with God. You see, the truth is, these folks were on a journey. They had gotten off a course because they forgot their destination. God was now correcting the course. And so... I want us to think about that course today, and I'm going to make, I'm going to tell you from, from their story and make it very personal for us. I begin with the origination of the journey. The origination of, how does it start? You have to know where you are, no matter what you're doing. If you want to go from here to Birmingham, Alabama, that'll be the first thing we do next week. In the message, if we want to go from here to Birmingham, Alabama, we have to know where we are. You can't chart your course if you don't know where you are today. Spiritually, we all start in the same place. I'm going to give you three words here that will help us on this journey. The first word is the word condition. Condition. This is our start. This is our beginning. This is the place of our origination. Like these folks here, we are the same way. We start in a sinful condition. A sinful condition in need of a Savior. Whoever you are, whatever money you have, whatever influence you have, let me just tell you, in light of eternity, you need a Savior. You need Jesus who restores you into a relationship with God the Father, just like Adam had to have after he was, after he fell into sin. We are in sin. Now, Brother Jerry, I don't understand how do you get to that. Well, verses 10 through 14 don't mean much to us. We don't get it. We don't understand it because we don't live in that culture. But please hear this. Every word the prophet spoke to the people, they understood. It was very clear to them. Now, so let's just take it. It says, you know, ask the priest for a ruling. A piece of meat that's been sacrificed. It's holy meat. It's consecrated meat. If it's rolled up in, in a robe and somebody touches that, Will that make them holy? And the answer was no. You see, you see, the truth is, just because they had touched something holy, they didn't become holy themselves. How does that play out for us? Just because you attend a service don't make you holy. Just because you walk an aisle don't make you holy. You see, when I look at this story, watch this. Here was the deal for them. These people had been disobedient to God for almost an entire generation. And no amount of touching a holy piece of meat was going to cleanse them from this defilement. In fact, everything they did was defiled. If you read that, they had defiled everything in their path because they were disobedient. Are you listening? Disobedient. As long as they were disobedient, there would be no 
holiness. There would be no consecration. There would be no forgiveness. And there are times when you touched a corpse, you were you had to go through a cleansing process. It was just like that. Touching a corpse to them is just like disobedience to us. And you go, well, Brother Jerry, wait a minute. This is Old Testament. We have a Savior today. And you're right. We do. His name is Jesus. And He died to save us from our sin. Everybody in this room can say that. But let me just, let me just rain on your parade just a little bit. He can save us from sin because we have to be saved from sin. We have to be forgiven of sin. But please watch. He will not forgive you of your sin. He will not make you right before the Father. He will not give you the Holy Spirit. He will not give you eternal life if you continue to walk and live in sin and disobedience. If you continue to live in sin and walk in sin and disobedience, your salvation, your forgiveness is beyond His power. Some people don't like the sound of that. But nowhere in this book are we told that we can continue to walk according to our own preferences, our own sin, our own disobedience, and receive the blessings of God, let alone the forgiveness of Christ. You see, we all begin right here with our condition. Second word I see here is the word consider. The word consider. Now, my translation says, think carefully. Other translations says, consider. It's always a good idea to think carefully or consider your life. Think about your past. Consider it. Think about your present, your now, your today. Think about the possibilities for tomorrow. Think about what God wants you to do. You see, folks, we get so wrapped up in today. We get so wrapped up in our world. We felt so in love with the things that we do, the places we go, the things we enjoy, the life we have, our personal preferences. We get so wrapped up in that that we forget about Let me, just, let me just put us into perspective today. Let me talk first as a church. Whatever we have done or been in the past, it's changing. As individuals, whatever we've done or been in the past, it's changing. This culture's changing. And when this culture changes, we've played with a home field advantage for years. I suggest to you that in the near future, in the United States of America... Maybe even in Marion County, Mississippi, we will be required to choose today who we will serve. If you read anything at all in the world on the national scale, you understand that Christians are already under assault in this beloved nation. Now is the time, today is the day, this is the place to think carefully about it and make the right choice, right are wrong. Obedience, disobedience. God or the world. We've got to chart our course. Think about your course. Think about your life. Think about where you are in the journey. Think about what you're committed to. 
Your honest evaluation of the commitment of your life can be the difference in right and wrong. And that brings us to the obvious third word that I see here. It's the word choice. You have to decide. I could have easily said consequences in choice. Verse 17, it says, I struck you, all the work of your hands, with all kind of judgments. But listen, here's the deal. Here's your choice. If you're reading that verse, he says, but you didn't turn to me. You had the choice. You had the chance. You had the opportunity. You see, the heart of our loving God. Are you listening? The heart of our loving God is to be on the journey with Him. To make the right choice with Him. You didn't, but you should have made this choice. And it even says that He pulled out all the stops trying to get them to do the right thing. His right thing. He gives us this choice. He's done this for you. He's done this for us. He's done this for me. His hand is extended. His love is reaching. He is calling us. He desires that no one get in the wrong journey. He desires that no one miss the marks. He desires that all be saved. That all come to profess Christ Jesus. That all follow Christ Jesus. That all live for Christ Jesus. But he does let you make a choice. I'm sad to say that many people make the wrong choice. But if you make the choice to follow Jesus, here's what I'm going to tell you, the best is yet to come. Oh, Brother Jerry, you just don't know. I, I live in the world, and the world is this, this, and this. So listen, God created the world. Generally, the designer and creator of something knows best. God didn't create just the world. He created you and me. And he knows what's best. You may not think so. I mean, no offense. Don't want to be offensive for all the tea in China, but here's what I'll tell you. But if I have to trust what you think or what he thinks, he wins every time. The origination of the journey starts with your condition. Where are you? Then you consider... Consideration of what you should do and the choice you make. And then I will end with the outcome of the journey. The outcome of the journey. <laughs> I love this part. Pud, you guys who are farmers, y'all are like it too. God says, huh, is there still some seed in the barn? <laughs> is there still something there I can work with? Is there a possibility that we can still work together to accomplish my work? I've given you all this stuff, God says, and it's not produced. Guess what? You make the right choice, the best is yet to come. Because when we make the the best choice of following Christ, I want to give you three words. Three words that will be a part of your life. First of all is the word care. He says to them, he says, from this day forward. My translation says, from this day on, that's the end of verse 19, I will bless you. What a promise. 
The God of the universe will watch over us, He will care for us, and He will bless us. It is amazing what happens when we choose to be obedient. At the same time, it's amazing what happens when we choose not to be obedient. But when we choose to be obedient, we release the hand of God. There are a lot of... Uh, there are a lot of terms in our society that have been redefined. But I'm going to give you a concept here that our world struggles with. It is the concept of right. R-I-G-H-T. There is still a right and a wrong. And you don't get to say what it is. And I don't get to say what it is. The truth is, no matter what this culture says, the God who created it all is still the one who determines what is right and what is wrong. I can walk through a whole bunch of social things that you know better than I. I'm not going to insult your intelligence. But here's what I'm going to tell you is that when we do right according to God, we will receive his blessing. We will receive his care. But when we do wrong, I don't think I'm going to insult the intelligence of creakers because we know what happens when you do wrong. You see, when these people changed their ways, when they had a heart change, a spirit change, and a life change, when they decided to do what God had called them to do, when they decided to be obedient, in our context, when we decide to truly follow Christ, from this day on, I'll bless you. Let's follow Christ. That's not just pray a prayer, get baptized, or join a church. That's Follow Christ. Just like your father going to town. On several occasions, I've had to follow Mike Patrick to town. Have you ever tried to follow Mike Patrick? Put on your helmet and get going. But you know what I had to do? I had to keep him in my sight. If I was following him somewhere, I had to keep him in my sight. That's what it means to follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you're going to have to keep him in your sight. Every day. And when you keep them in your sight, the best comes your way. It's not a matter that you never struggle, but it's a matter that when you get into struggles, that you've got a companion there. You have someone who's been there before. Isn't that what you want in your life? Don't you want a loving, caring, powerful God looking over you? Which brings us to powerful God, brings us to the second word, is the word conquest. I wouldn't have invented that, but it's right here in the scripture. I love this imagery, verses 21 and following. I love this imagery because passages like this, passages like this, remind me that God is indeed sovereign God. He's not Santa Claus. He's not the Easter Bunny. He's not a passive old man. He is Jehovah God, creator of the universe, sustainer of the universe, lover of men. He is the one that spoke it all into being and one day will call it all to a close. 
He is feared. He is to be reckoned with. Look at these words here. Verse, uh, um, verse 21. Speak to the rebel bell. This is what he's saying. God says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow royal thrones. I will destroy the power of the Gentiles. I will overthrow chariots and their riders. Horses and their riders will fall on that day. Woo! You know what he's doing? He's shaking, rattling, and rolling. He's getting people's attention. Don't you think about that? He said, do all of that. Overturn. Destroy. Shake. Overturn. And then he goes, huh, and I'll take you. I'll take you. I'll take you. Man, think about that. Being taken by God. I can think of two people that I'd love to be taken like they were taken. Enoch in the Old Testament. Enoch was not for God took him. I am good with that. Or how about Elijah? Elijah, excuse me. Gets his... Gets a fiery chariot ride into heaven. God took him. But in order to do that, he has to defeat everything that we put in his way. Heaven and earth. Gosh, we love earth so much. Gosh, we love this world so much. Royal thrones that are in our lives. Who sits on the, or what, who or what sits on the throne of your life? Is it really Jesus? Because whoever sits on the throne of your life is who controls your schedule, your pocketbook, your attitude, your outlook, your inlook, your lifestyle, every part of who you are. But I just want to say this to you. Paul writes this. He says we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. You get on the right journey, and you wind up a winner, you wind up a conqueror, you wind up a victor. He'll shake you, make you, and take you. But also, please listen, this may be, your, this may be worth the price of your admission today. He'll conquer your enemies. Hello? He'll conquer your enemies. Now, if you're disobedient, if you live in for your own self... If you have your own personal preferences in front of you, if you're walking in sin, there's no promise that he'll, dis- he, that he'll take care of your enemies. But if you're walking with him in the Spirit, he'll take care of your enemies. How do you do that? It's your decision about Christ, about Jesus Christ, God's Son who left heaven. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, died the death of a sinner for you and for me. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. He makes intercession for us. He sent us the Holy Spirit that when we receive Him, when we choose to follow Him, we choose to walk with Him, the Holy Spirit becomes our companion and our guide. Your decision about what you do with Jesus is a matter of life and death. There's one last word here. If you're going to be on the right journey, and is His word consecrated, Nah, I know. We don't use that word much anymore. That, that's a word of days gone by. It's out of style in our culture, but it's very much a part of God's word. 
It's a very much a part of God's spiritual expectation. For you see, to consecrate something is to set apart as holy. Now watch this. I'm almost done. Give me about three or four minutes and we'll be done. Watch this. Down in verse 23 on that day, this is the declaration of the Lord of armies. I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant. This is the Lord's declaration. And watch this. And I will make you like my signet ring for I have chosen you. Now, we don't understand about signet ring, likely. But a signet ring was a ring wore by a ruler or a monarch where they would literally put an impression on something and it would, it would quantify it as authentic. It would quantify it as having the blessing. It was, I have chosen you, qualified as being real. If I were to put it in the modern day context, Beth and I are both notary publics. We put that stamp on there, it's supposed to be authentic. We're putting our, our insurance and our lives on the fact that it's real. You see, that's the journey. That's the journey. Most of us grew up watching repeatedly. That means over and over and over and over and over and over again. The Wizard of Oz. If I were to ask you to raise hands and hold up fingers about how many times you've seen The Wizard of Oz, somebody would have to take off their shoes because they've seen it so many times. For Dorothy to get back home where she wanted to be, she had to do something. Do you remember what it was? Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow, follow, follow. Okay, that's enough of that. Follow the yellow brick road. Oh, that's easy enough. Well, it was, except for the fact that the yellow brick road had some trials, had some obstacles, and had some hardships. And the most dangerous part of the journey was the haunted forest where trees animated, where there are other unbelievable things. But the truth is that this journey for her was the right journey with all its dangers and distresses because this journey made Dorothy into the person and the people who were with her that they needed to be. And it led her to the place where they belonged. The right journey always leads home. If I use it as a metaphor, are you on the yellow brick road? Actually, it would be a blood-stained road, stained with the blood of Jesus. If you're not on that road, you'll never make it home. You're not on the right journey. Because the journey begins... And the journey ends with Jesus. Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you follow him? Do you give him your all? Have you put him on the back burner? Or is he on the throne? Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and how it speaks to our heart. I thank you for your spirit and how it convicts our heart. I pray, Lord, that for anybody who is not on the right journey today, I I pray that you have spoken into their heart. Spoken to them about their disobedience and draw them to yourself. Lord, draw them even now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never trusted Christ, today's a great day. You see on the screen what we're going to stand and sing in just a second. And when we do, I want you to come on the first word of the song. People will let you out. You make your way to the aisle closest to you, and I'll be here. Be glad to talk with you. If you think you would like to unite with this church, you do the same thing. We'll talk about that. If you need just to get before the Lord, our altar will be open. Because, listen, there's room at the cross for you. Let's stand together. You sing it. Come on, the first word of the song.